John and Fika, aka Chow Stacks, Chow Honey, Fik Day, Fik Daddy, what it do, what it does. And we got a very exclusive, exciting down to the beat interview coming at you live right now with Kwan Lee Beats, the man. Thank you, Round of applause. Keep bro. it down, guys. Keep it down. Round of applause. Where are you uh where are you tuning in from, man? Um, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. Yes, sir. That's cool, that's cool. Um, so how long have you been at this in Columbus, Ohio? Um, how long have I been at this in Columbus? Yeah, uh, like how long have you been producing for? Um, I would say I seriously got into it when I was 17. I'm 21 now. So I would say like that's like four years. So about four years. It's and you mean really- you're from Columbus, like you you're born and raised there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's crazy. Because we have a uh, we have like one of our big cities where we get a lot of listens is Columbus. Yeah. And we don't understand why. So we just want to know, like, what's the music scene like there? Um, me personally, I see a lot of like indie rock pop. Um, there's a really healthy hip hop scene here. Um, we're just now starting to get like like hip hop beat shows going. Um, it oh, usually, yeah. it was really like a big EDM uh, town for a minute. Um, but it's a few of us who are, you know, in the tradition of doing this hip hop thing. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with like KMB, but he's also from here and he does a lot of, uh, I would say like um, disco tinged hip hop, like popular stuff. Um, so it's a really diverse town as far as the arts. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I sound like, I mean, your sound, we'll get into this later, but you have a very diverse sound. Like you're a bit of a shapeshifter when it comes to sounds. Sound shift, I guess would be the right way to say that, but. Um, first of all, we're just going to talk a little bit more about you and just kind of expand on that, how you got started. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was it that really drove you into music? Like, what is it that got you with your hands on a keyboard starting to produce tracks or um, make beats too? Um, trying to rap with no money. Um, <laughs> I was rapping <laughs> since like middle school and I got considerably good and then I was in high school and, you know, I didn't have enough money to consistently pay for production. So I, um, you know, I was listening to a lot of Mac Miller, a lot of Tyler, and they do a lot of their own production. So I'm like, all right, they can do it. I can do it. So I downloaded a crack version of FL um, my senior year of high school and I pretty much never looked back. Um, It's, yeah, it's been a really crazy journey. I never thought that I would be doing beats primarily. You know? No, you did you did you like think you're gonna be a rapper? Yeah, for the longest, but it's only recently that I'm like, yeah, I probably you know, um, I think production is more of my calling. But yo, man, we've seen you on your on your gram drop some of your freestyles, bro. You still bring it. You really bring it, bro. Like I, now that you mentioned that, uh, I even think in one of your songs, like you mentioned that you dropped out of school and stuff, like just in your freestyles and stuff. So. You know, how, how's that journey been like in terms of, was it like dealing with music, choosing what your passion is or something like that? Um, I dropped uh, college courses, yes. Um, it was a thing to where in high school, um, I got introduced to college courses and it was more of a credit thing, like a head start into college. And mm-hmm. it was basically like high school, just more structured, I would say. and. My attitude towards high school, it wasn't really a good one. So when I graduated <laughs> high school, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I'm not doing this college thing. It's like, mm. you know, it was there for me, but it just wasn't, you know, for me personally. You know? 100%, 100%. So it's so, almost like you knew, you already knew what your calling was almost. Yeah. Oh yeah, I knew, yeah. Did you, have to, did you have to explain that to your mom? <laughs> um, at first, but then she heard my music and then she began to like <laughs> see where I was coming from. Yeah. So um, that was crazy too, because um, you know, it was it was crazy getting through that stigma of being an artist, you know, in school, definitely. 
um, mm-hmm. telling people like, you know, I'm going to do music and they're looking at you like, okay, yeah. get in line. You know what I mean? <laughs> get in line. <laughs> How'd you battle through that? Um, a lot of the music I was listening to, um, a lot of Kanye, a lot of Cuddy, um, and just a lot of self-determination. Um, the love for the music, I think that's what got me through a lot of it, just genuinely loving the process of creating um, and falling in love with doing different genres and things. That is what keeps me going and what kept me going. 100%, man, because we even see, like, you know, just how, when you tweet, and stuff you you know how confident you are you know your time is coming the breakthrough like you you just got the confidence and the you believe in yourself and that's like the biggest thing of, it's of beautiful the, to see yeah, it's beautiful man. to see because i feel like that's where a lot of young artists or young producers coming up you know like i feel like that like they can waver on that thought of whether or not they're good enough or whether or not this game if they're cut out for the game that they're trying to get into right but whenever it seems like you put stuff out you got your whole heart in it and you know, you're, you're really just, I don't know, it's humble, yet it's very, uh, it's not like you're full of yourself, but like you're humble at the same time. Like, that's what it is. Yeah, I think, I think it's just my nature, honestly. Um, like, I'm not too extravagant, but at the same time, I know what I can contribute to, you know, music. Um, mm-hmm. And that, like, whether I was getting like 100 views or 10 views or like the millions of views or you know, whatever was happening and going viral. Um, it's just the same attitude, really. Um, just really being confident in what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. I think I built it up also definitely through the work ethic, like getting myself to a point where I'm wowing myself with what I create, like every time. Mm-hmm. Um, it did take me like the years to get to that point. Um, and it looking back, it it seems like it was a long time, but it really hasn't been to where I am now. Four years is a short amount of time, man, to be like yeah. sitting there and like kind of just proud of what you've accomplished, like happy with what you can do with your hands. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know, you sit down at any any computer, you know, you can come out of there with something that you like. I think that's a beautiful thing all on its own. Oh, yeah, absolutely. man. It also it's just makes me. sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, know. but it, it just makes sense, though, man. Like you've been doing this for four years and like you've just been getting better and better, man. Like I remember hearing. Like I, I wasn't tapped into you like from day one, but like I still remember hearing the first the first ever fresh produce, bro, and jamming to that yeah. shit. And then just seeing the different volumes go, go, you know what I mean? Like and seeing you incorporate the samples, man. I know you love your the way you flip samples just amazes me, bro. Like and I love it how in the end of your songs, like in Fresh Produce, you just uh show a little sneak peek of the sample you use, you know, like you're so at the end sometimes, like this is a Janae song, you'd be like, damn, he flipped that song into this. Like, <laughs> very talented, man. The four years can definitely tell, like it's the growth and everything, bro. Um, from, put it back in your pants first. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, uh, what, like, what are your, your four years, you have a lot to show for it. Like you, you've really honed in on your talents, but what can the next four years kind of, like, what do you think they're going to look like? Um, I never know what they're going to look like specifically, but I do have uh, affirmations and goals. Like, uh, I do want to, um, work with like Chloe and Holly. I want to work with like Freddie Gibbs. So mm-hmm. any, like, it's a really diverse list. Like, um, my main influences are like Pharrell and Kanye, Dilla, mm-hmm. Premier, and they always made sure that they stepped outside of hip hop to do R&B, to do pop and, uh, that's definitely the route that I, I want to take. Um, just definitely diversifying my sound. And mm. um, yeah, definitely just uh, the main thing for me really is just working with these artists and getting the respect from the artists that I look up to, um, okay. which has been a gradual process. You know, I'm still receiving those flowers, but um, it's just, you know, that's what the four year, the next four years for me, I think, look like. Um, definitely stepping into the game on an official level, you know. And and we can see that too in the sense that you post uh, the type of music you're listening to. You listen to the Rihanna album, to Janae, you go to Doja Cat. Like it just shows the the level of diversity on what you're trying to produce for artists. You know what I'm saying? Like, how important do you think that diversification of uh, 
your like kind of um for your skills is to you uh, it's very important um for one it keeps me not in a beat block state um i feel like when you like try to make the same hip-hop for a while it gets redundant so for me it's imperative that i listen to different things soak up different things um because if i'm not making hip-hop i'm definitely making something else like i i feel like my creativity is like a spectrum and if i stay on one part it's like it's super boring for me mm. um another reason i would say is because i don't want to be put in a box as an artist you know what i mean i definitely want to work with everybody who i listen to and you know i internalize their production and everything and i apply that to myself so when i do get in these rooms i'll have a lot to to play these artists a lot of different things you know a lot of different sounds do you think uh the large like the large picture that is hip-hop right now do you think that that's a rather two-dimensional picture um underground rap i would say um i do notice when i do rap flips it gets a better reception than when i do like r&b flips um mm -hmm. and i'm really like in the underground community like um you know like king felonious uh you know, oh, bro. Oblive, like. Oh, yeah, you know, man. We, we, sorry. So, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I keep cutting you off. I'm just so excited. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was about to say, like, I even saw you, like, I think you and Oblive did something together, correct? Oh, yeah. We got some work, man. That's I amazing, bro. All the time. And even that was such a crazy thing because that was during a time when I, I really felt slept on. And for him to be on a level that he is and reach out and work with me. Like that was everything for me. That also kept me going. Like maybe this is something that I should, you know, take seriously. I was say, we're gonna ask. Um, you put in like you're really grinding for them ten thousand hours. Like you can kind of you hear that in your music. Mm -hmm. Do you? And you just said you at one point in time felt slept on. Is that something that you feel more often than not? Because you do a lot of work and you do a lot of flips for a lot of famous artists like does it ever just like hurt that you're not really getting the recognition for it or they're not like sending the love back you know what i mean um yes and no because what last year showed me like it kind of showed me how the twitter algorithm worked i started wording my tweets in a way that were like memeifying it but it ended up really catching on so i kind of i know that like the music when they hear it they'll be wild by it but I think the whole part of this game is really getting to those artists. So when you think of something like social media, you know, um, there's like so much content being posted like every second. So for me, um, I do think honestly, I get an advantage that some of these beat makers don't because I do diversify my sound and I diversify the flips and it has that star power with it. But when they hear the music with it, they're like, oh shit. And that's what's been starting to work for me just recently, like it's a few months back, honestly, like I really got like I got like, OK, so in these four years, the three months, the past three months is when I really been going viral. So yeah. in a sense, like it's paying off definitely. So I don't feel slept on anymore. Mm -hmm. And also, I don't want to affirm that I'm slept on. I don't want to affirm that people don't support me because in my mind, like people will support me, you know, people will get to that point, you know, and I'm just aware that things take time, you know, definitely. That's, that's dope, because I feel like that could be a very hard thing for a lot of people, like even ourselves in this business, right, we're just starting out, but it's easy to be like, we're creating great content, why are we not getting millions of views, like, why are we not going viral yet, so, but mm -hmm. it, it's a, the mentality, right, of just keeping pushing forward to make sure, make sure that you are uh, staying true to yourself and saying, mm -hmm. I can do this. I, I'm just as good as anyone else out here, if not better. But like, you don't want to feel slept on because as soon as you say we're slept on, you're going to start going to sleep yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad you also don't feel that way too, because you know, you, you shoot your shot out on Twitter, man. You say, I want to work with Mavi. And then Mavi hits back saying, let's fucking get it, bro. You know what I mean? You, you got a not for me following you. You got, you got the underground scene really tapped into you, bro. And like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's amazing, bro. Like, that's honestly humbling because 
the whole Mavi thing was crazy because it was overcast. Um, I did oh, overcast is also yeah, man. Overcast is crazy too. But I remember a time where I was hitting these guys up and I wasn't as known. And I was like, I would love your work. I would love to work with you. But then it wasn't until I proved myself that I could build my own platform that they're like, oh yeah, this is really so that kind of mentality stays with me. Like, even if people aren't hearing me now, when they do hear it, it's usually love. And um it was really humbling to see somebody on a statue like Mavi or even Overcast mm. appreciate, you know, me doing my thing. Um, um, people like King Thelonious or the Danny Brown follow that I got or like all these different things. It was just like, man, like this is crazy. Like, you know, you pray for these things, you hope for these things, but when they really show up, it's like, holy shit, I did this. It's really freaky, you know? Do you ever get frustrated? Um. Uh, yes and no. Frustrated financially, yeah, because everybody, because <laughs> everybody thinks when you get a million views, you got like mad money, and you're doing this and that. But uh, you know, I go through the everyday life. You know, like what Andre said in elevators, like I got more fans than an average man, but not enough loot to last me to the end of the week. That's basically how it is at my stage currently. Um in that aspect, but as far as respect, as far as creativity, I feel like those aspects I have more control over, mm -hmm. you know, and the money will come, you know, it comes for me, but, you know, I don't make as much as everybody thinks. That's the frustrating part. That's it. I feel like the hard part too, right, is you, you like know your talents are good, so you want to get paid too, right? So you're kind of yeah. just grinding for that, right? Yeah, definitely. How do you, uh, sorry. Oh, no. Um, but also, I'm just aware of that, you know, the respect also always comes before the money in anybody's career. Um, you know, a big thing for me is following my favorite artist careers. So I see where they were like broke and still having like hit records on the shelf that, you know, like, so I look at it like that. Um, respect is that, payment in its own, right? Oh, yeah. It's, I think in the grand scheme, it's the most important part of just inspiring people um that makes me feel a lot better than getting money honestly what's fucking beautiful man yeah dude you're, you're a good guy yeah you have man. a great you're philosophy a fucking bro. good guy dude I, this is all right we're very, like 20 minutes in this is already very, moving up to way more very than I zen and just like clear path you know what i'm saying it's, it's beautiful dude. dude like sometimes when i smoke a joint my answers would just be like where <laughs> left field i'd be freaking out like smoke some mad sativa it'd be bad but this is this is what we and just talking is supposed to happen like but yo um i i, I even know i wanted to ask um other than your stuff being on Bandcamp and stuff have you are you what else do you do for streams of revenue relating to your music like do you offer beat lessons do you uh, I don't sell your beats, collab, charge people for the beats? How often are you? Yeah, how much? Like, what are you doing to monetize it? Um, definitely selling them. Um, being in the underground and having this sort of a uh, platform for myself, uh, a lot of I've been getting like a lot of work um, from known and unknown acts. So. Um, like I support myself through that most of the time. Like most of my income is through beat sales, but also um, sometimes I would do a drum kit or uh, mm. you know, band camp is definitely a big thing also. Um, but I'm also getting ready. Like I have a, a instrumental album finished and I was thinking of marketing ways to monetize that. And, you know, I don't have any merch yet, but merch is definitely gonna be one of those uh, streams of revenue for me in the future. Um, you know, physical records and things like that. Um, yeah. Things I that was... I think people are more interested in than just digital videos and digital music. 100%, you know? some shit's, physical. Shit's played out too, right? Oh yeah, and it. I feel like those things help you create your brand more um, and who you are as a person. And I feel like my music can be for a specific demographic of people. Um, so the way I dress, the way I present myself definitely is a reflection of those people I want to reach, you know, and I think with merch and physical albums and album art and things like that, um, 
that's going to give people a true glimpse of like who I am, like outside of the music, you know, mm-hmm. and also to, you know, monetize that, you know, monetize the brand itself. Definitely. Yeah, facts, facts. Um, that's kind of cool that like just talking about your brand, what, like, if you could describe your brand, what would it be? Because you've been all over the place if you were to ask me. Um, oof. <laughs> it's, yeah, I made it hard to put myself in a box. So now I can't really put myself in a box. <laughs> if I would label it as one thing, I would say space soul. Like, I like very that. very dreamy. Um, yeah. I'll have the soul sample chops in there, you know, whatever. But it's always like, I'm trying to put you in a different like mind frame, like almost psychedelic, you know, when you get that feeling when you, like when you're in your head on psychedelics, like the blissful feeling um, mm-hmm. that I think music could bring is where I try to go with a lot of it. Yeah. That's a way better, like, cause I, I don't know, I've been into like the, the way your beats sound, like I've been chasing uh, just music with that kind of vibe to it, right? But I've just mm-hmm. been calling it lo-fi. But I, I don't know if that means anything to you because how do you way, take that? The way that the way that you describe it sounds so much better than what I just said. That's I, all I, I feel like it as. I feel like a lot of underground people get a bit upset when they you call their music like lo-fi. Um, I think because when you get into making music, you understand that lo-fi it means like lo-fi has always existed throughout all genres for one, and for two, it just means that the record has a low fidelity recording, which means that the the low end is more present than the high end. So it has more of a warm, fuzzy sound. And you could do that across all genres. But I feel like a lot of my stuff is mixed in a way where I'm trying to get the high end a little more. Like I'll have beats that don't even have bass lines, you know. Right. Um, to like, keep it simple, you know. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember this one song. Like um, just a, a few classics. Like the old Meek Mill, so I don't know if that has a bass line. It goes. We um hear a lot of music with that, like from Time by Drake and Janae. Like that doesn't have a bass line at all. It's just a kick, a snap, and a melody. Like, mm-hmm. and I think that the minimalism, you know, like I have maximalist art where I have like electronic IDM shit. Yeah. But also, I think it's so. Like simplicity goes such a long way, especially nice. with singers who are very talented and singers who are very talented. You give them room to breathe on a track, you know. Um, just small things I think about as a producer to make the song feel like a complete, you know, thing. Um, but I feel like with certain artists, they do well with lo-fi, like Earl Sweatshirt, um, like Mavi, like Mike, like uh, Navy Blue, like you know all these underground legends. Um, uh, we, made, we made a funny joke and uh, we like to call uh, these underground artists, including yourself, because uh, I like, I love that scene, that underground scene, the whole mic, Navy Blue, all that, Ade Hakeem, all that Damn. shit. And um, I, I, we always say that you only find those guys in like the Pornhub comments, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how low key you guys are. You got to go to Pornhub comments and then you'll find those names. Yo, Jam Kwan Lee, <laughs> Jam load more, load more, and then you find it. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy that I'm actually a part of underground hip hop. Like, coming how does that feel? Food, how does that feel? Like, man, that feels so vindicating. Like, coming from a kid listening to like, Dilla listening to, um, you know, like the far side listening to like, like freestyle culture coming from that, you know, um, and then being next to guys like knowledge, like oh. people comparing me to not like people like putting me next to him, like people who have, who I respect their musical opinion, drawing those comparisons or the Kanye comparisons, like, um, being a part of this whole music thing is just that in itself is more important than uh, the money. I think honestly, like when we die, we don't take that money with us, but we leave that legacy behind and people cherish that. And to have a name for myself at this point is really just humbling. Like it makes me want to keep working hard, like um, to be next to such talented people, like, you always got to step your game up because knowledge is always dropping shit. Like, 
these people work extremely hard. So I definitely take that in myself. Um, I don't take it lightly, you know, when people compare me to a knowledge or a Kanye or, you know, anybody like that, it means a lot to me. And so, sorry. sorry I didn't oh, no, no, it's okay. You can, uh, I'm basically finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to ask. So, um, like you, you, you consider yourself to be underground rap and that, like, that's, that's what I'd consider yourself as well. Um, are you interested in like making it to that mainstream level or what's your thoughts on that? Because like there's because there's there's people who live their whole life being the underground rapper, you know what I mean? Like I didn't realize that Westside Gun was like 37 years old, but it turns out he is that old, and and he's just like being this kind of slept on underground, like the most mainstream level an underground artist could be, you know. So I just kind of yeah. wondered what your take is on that, like where you kind of see your success going, or plus, if you'd like to stay there. Plus, also uh, we've seen on your social media how your goal in life is to get a Grammy. You know, yeah, so. but like yeah. you can't be winning no Grammys as an underground artist. You know what I mean? <laughs> also, so, fuck the yeah. Grammys, man. <laughs> and, I, and I think that's why I diversify my sound so much. Like that's why I put my beats over a Doja Cat or Mahalia, or you know, I put my beats over Rihanna. Like because I want to prove that I can do like mainstream. But I think, um, I think everybody starts underground. Like. Um, you know, it's a gradual process. Um, Amorphous, uh, a guy who follows me, I was just talking to him about the whole concept of being viral. Um, he's on Billboard now. He has a, a track wow. with Fat Joe and he's done that all off of mashups. So um, I think that I'm definitely starting to progress to that level of to where those artists are starting to notice me like Billboard producers, you know? Um, and wow with the sound that I have, it's not far-fetched to me that I will end up there one day. Um, and just, uh, yeah, I think that just staying with the trends and knowing that like, hey, I could do trap too, like, but it's, it's gonna sound like me, you know, um, that's the most important. And yeah, I don't think the mainstream is intimidating, man. Like, I think that these are my contemporaries at this point. Like, so I look at them as equals, you know? That's a that's kind of cool because we had we were talking to um, we had an interview a while ago with a guy named Heavy he's from here from Ottawa, but he was talking about how he was making trap as an artist like he was like trying to like go for that Migos sound right but he's like if people want to go listen to the Migos they'll just go listen to the Migos right but I gotta say where you differ is that you have a very unique spin on everything that you touch. Um, how how do you think you can like do you think that's something you'll be able to keep with you or like breaking onto the mainstream could kind of make it an oversaturated vibe to the music right oh uh, yeah um yes uh i think about that i think about um the fact that when i do these mainstream records um i see myself as kind of changing the trend like those are like the artists that i i look my like i model after so um, I noticed how the soul sound wasn't prominent until like Kanye hopped on it and then everybody started doing that. But also with the trap thing, um, trap has become like his own subgenre with his own sub subgenres. Right. So like yeah. you can see trap, but there's so many different types of trap. Like you can look at what the Migos do or what Travis does or what um what drill is like I think drill is really an offshoot of trap music. Um, yeah, for sure. Like music is evolving so much that I think that with mainstream specifically, there's starting to be room for everything. And you see, even with underground rap, uh, Gibbs got a you know Grammy nom. You know when Tyler got the Grammy nom and the Grammy win, um, K. Chanada got the Grammy. You know for mm -hmm. two, two from SoundCloud. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, that's bro. Big. When Chance got nominated for a Grammy, coming from SoundCloud, like coming from the you know underground i think what like what made them ascend to that mainstream level is the uniqueness um is the uh you know doing what everybody else is doing but like them so like you can't really box them into one thing you know what i'm saying um yeah <laughs> and i think that's important for me because i definitely don't want to be known as a producer who just does one type of music you know I want to be known as the guy you could come to for any type of record, you know, whether you're 
Christina Aguilera or a West Side Gun, like I'm gonna have something for everybody, you know? Um, because, do you- Just because I listen to everything, you know? So where, that's just my goal, you know? Um, that's crazy because there's, like, I feel like there's two types of artists, you know? One that sticks to what they know, you know, and kind of just keep creating that sort of same sound, that same vibe, that same, upholds that same image, right? But then you see a lot of other artists who undergo such drastic evolutions throughout their like span of their career. Yeah. Both work, but like they're, they're both very different streams. What do you think about that? I think that I agree with you, man. They definitely both work. Um, I think that uh, that's a that's a good ass question <laughs> because um, you could look at somebody like um, um, like Snoop who uh, you know, came onto the scene with gangster rap, but he's really touched every genre, you know. Um, but man's made a reggae it. album, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, who could really say that they've done a gospel album in hip hop? You know, like, and really be acclaimed for that, you know. Like, so um, I think um, you can look at it that way. Or didn't he even do like, a? Didn't even do like a bedtime, like a nursery rhyme album or yeah, something? Like, didn't he do like a kids album or something? Yeah, I've heard that. I, 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 man, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out with a polka album. Like, Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really. In his bag. I think that's why he's such a brand too, because like he's recognizable from so many different cultures. Like he could go in a predominantly white neighborhood and they're like, oh, that's Snoop. But he could come to the, the hood and, you know, that's, you know, what's up, Snoop? Like, so. Mm -hmm. I think that's definitely cool too, you know, um, but you can look at somebody like Freddie Gibbs who um, has that hardcore cocaine rap yeah. style or like Pusha T and they're still respected, you know what I'm saying? They still get their flowers. Um, I think I think it's just a personal thing. Um, I just can't see myself doing the same thing over, but I really think it's something when somebody can expound on one thing and make it sound interesting every time. It's two different sets of skills that are very, 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 um, I would say difficult in its own right, you know, and they have their own successes, you know. This whole thing is difficult, you know, on its own, you know what I mean? It's like, like entrepreneurship it. life, you know. Um, you were going you know, off, you were going off recently on uh, the idea of cocaine rap on Twitter. What are you, uh, what, are uh, your, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Cause I, I think um, like right now, I, I, I think there's like almost not a resurgence of it, but you know, when you think of the underground sound, I think like that's the one kind of sound that comes to your mind, right? Is that gritty cocaine uh, kitchen Zelda. stove type rap, right? Griselda. Uh, Literally, yeah. Um, my personal take on it, um, I don't want to like knock anybody for how they create. I just want to create the dialogue of, you know, we lost a legend yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. African-American community, you know, the crack epidemic was so detrimental that we still have people dying of it. You know, people that should still be here with us, celebrating with us. And I'm like, at what point does it stop being, like, at one point do we stop glorifying it? You know, because I like people like Freddie Gibbs who could be vulnerable, like, and tell you, like, I don't want to do this cocaine shit, but still be like, I did that cocaine shit, you know, I did that shit, but, you know, he's making it clear that that shit wasn't the life that you should be living. But I do right. feel like there are artists who glorify hustle culture, glorify um, gangbang culture and all the negative stereotypes that come with our people. And my whole thing on it is like, we definitely have to stop being victims and look at where we're at the fault at this because the music is so influential that it's, creating these images that these young kids who don't have strong parental figures to model after. And a lot of the shit that's getting spewed out is not, um, you know, I don't want to sound too preachy, but it's not really. Yeah, it's facts. It's, it's facts. And it's, there's a way that you could put it without it being cool or trying to make it sound cool to be a drug dealer or be in the streets. You know what I'm saying? You could be vulnerable at the same time be true about your experience you know what i mean 
I think uh, just on that, that that's almost what hip hop was rooted in, right? Like Easy E, yeah. like that's where, like he, that was his whole thing, right? He was drug dealer turned rapper, right? So, and I uh-huh. think over the course of history, you know, what it, that was what it was rooted in was really giving a voice to the neighborhoods that weren't given voices before, right? So it's yeah. kind of been, hip hop's kind of been entrenched in this whole idea that, that the come from nothing kind of uh, idea, right? Mm-hmm. But now, it, it, it kind of gets, you have to question when they get to a point where they're buying a new car every week and living in houses that they never could have imagined. Like where, where, where do you stop glorifying it? Because you're right. Now we've come to a like kind of point in it where we're better than that almost, you know? Um, I, I also think that like, uh, it's not necessarily as, um, Glorified. glorified as it used to be you know no that's 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 very true definitely yeah. uh you know even like drinking lean and stuff it's not really the go-to verse anymore you, you know? know 2016 shit yeah when uh <laughs> i feel what you're saying when uh i want to just ask now about because i feel like now in hip-hop you have such a diverse um like people always want to talk about Mac Miller for really being the first to open up about his mental health and just health struggles. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, yeah. and now, now mental health and uh, just well, like personal wellness is being, is such a, uh, is almost on a megaphone right now in hip hop culture. I oh, want to know definitely. what just, what's your thought on that? Like in the kind of shift of, uh, of moods. First of all, um, faces came to me at a point where I really needed it. Um, Bro, I feel that, that album, fucking, man, Mac Miller. When people say Mac Miller saved me, I'm like, yeah, like pretty close to, you know what I mean? Like I'm up there, bro. Like that's definitely a beautiful body of work. And um, it came to me when I was, you know, um, I didn't know what depression was until, you know, I got to school and I started having problems in school and social issues and like, self-harm issues that I got diagnosed with like anxiety and depression and stuff. So that tape came during that. And, um, you know, the thing I appreciated about that tape was that, you know, he was open. It was at a time where drugs were on the forefront, but it was different because- It was real. It was a cautionary tale. Like he was not, like there was nothing pretty on the album. Like Mm -mm. it was super dark, jazzy, super poetic. Like I imagine him like, in the studio like for months just like trying to get this out drugged up like but it was a real expression of what he was going through and um it made me realize that rich or poor or you know whatever you are money wise like we're connected as humans on what we feel emotionally and i found myself relating to a rich white rapper as a (laughs) poor black man you know what i'm saying and he touched me in a way that a lot of artists didn't touch me just because he was so honest, like, and that's what I appreciated about that. And I really appreciate the resurgence of, um, well, not the resurgence, but the surgence of this talk on mental health, because it's really important. It's really, uh, you know, people are being underdiagnosed, you know, people are, you know, the suicide rate is raising, overdoses, you keep hearing about overdoses, you know, addiction is a symptom of these these things, you know, yeah, I'm very, very glad that we can be open in hip hop about it. It used right. to be taboo, you know, when Biggie say, did it, you know, you, the suicidal thoughts and yeah. people were talking about it, like Tupac here and there. But um, I feel like we're at a time where people can express and be vulnerable and be sad. You know, like Kid Cudi, uh, Drake, um, 808s and Heartbreaks. Um, I think that is really where it became a mainstream thing to be vulnerable you know what i mean do you think uh like we were just talking about the whole gang life cocaine rap being glorified do you think the whole because i it's not like you see the whole sad boy i don't want to use that but like the sad kind of um i don't know like melancholy sound of hip-hop do you think that kind of whole uh, that sort of sound is being glorified almost um like this whole demonic thing that Trippy Red kind of has going, another Ohio uh, native. <laughs> just thought I slipped that in there. But like that, that XXX even too, like that kind of sound. Yeah. When those guys were coming up, it was almost like they were glorifying. 
not, I don't know glorifying's word, but like they're showing it, like emphasizing the fact that they were that sad. You know what I mean? But I feel um, like a lot more people also just related. They to did. That, they did. No, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it definitely was a thing where it was just a matter of time before somebody was going to really, truly express that in a way that everybody could relate to it. Um, I do think that it did glorify mental illness. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you would talk to somebody and they're like, oh, uh, such and such and such. That makes me anxious. And I'm like that. That's just like a normal thing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's things that we're normally anxious about. I think that people just started like kind of being hypochondriac about it, like overthinking it. Like, um, like I think when you get to the point where you're thinking about suicide is when you really should get some mental help and which is what I had to do, you know, in high school. Um, but when you're just like, you never really had to go through any of that mental anguish and you're trying to just fit in, it does rub me the wrong way, you know? Um, oh yeah. But like- but I do appreciate that people can have a platform um to but then like you in like these artists get interviewed and they ask them oh do you really do these drugs do you really feel this way and some of them are like nah like i'm okay i just make no that's what sells yeah and that is the part that i don't really fuck with because when you're making art just to monetize it like you see where those artists end up years down the line you know um in the grand scheme of music. And uh, I think um, that's why I appreciated Mac Miller so much because you could tell he was living in his truth. Like, Mm -hmm. and even in his interviews, like he never shied away from the fact that those were very dark times. Um, And that's that's really all I, you know, will want from an artist is to just be honest. Like, if you're rich and you come from that, then just rap about that, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have to be a, and you don't have to be struggling to make great music, you know what I mean? But just living life as a human is a struggle, so you know. Facts. What do you, What do you think about uh, uh, you know, the odd complaint about uh, people saying kind of just raps about how rich he is now? You know what I mean? Like, um, nah, I think he just lives in his reality. I mean, right. do you expect him to rap about? the college dropout shit, having like overdue bills when you mm. making Netflix deals for 30 million. Like, nah, like, yeah. I love the fact that he never really shied away from the fact that there's real shit going on. Like Fact. the whole Yeezy, the whole Yeezus era, like, you know, he was very rich, very influential, very much like pre, like after My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, but he was still that kid that was trying to break into fashion. Like he still had that same humbleness and hunger and confidence, even when they were telling him, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do this. And then you see where he ended up. Um, I appreciate uh, vulnerability, even when you are rich. Like, I don't expect you to rap about being poor if you're rich, like rap about what rich people go through. Like it's may, it may be more similarities than we think, mm-hmm. you know? There's a whole other audience for that too, right? Like there's a whole yeah. bunch of other rich people out there that would probably love to hear about <laughs> how Consuelo the maid fucked up their window, <laughs> like windshield washers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just want to, uh, I don't know if you watched like the, uh, I got a story to tell documentary, the biggie one. Oh yeah, definitely. But uh, in Ready to Die, he was talking about how, it, he was from that album to the to his next one, he was talking about how his, his, his bars kind of switched from, you know, the coming from nothing kind of story switched to um, what he called the shysty business, right? That is music. What do you, like, what are your run-ins with it? What do you think about the business side of hip hop? I think anytime you mix art with um, commodity and like marketing, like art, like, you know, as a creative, a true creative, you find that you get disappointed like time and time and time again. Um, but at the same time, um, I do appreciate this independent wave that people can be on. Um, the emphasis on owning your masters, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's really like, I, it's funny that you say that because P. Diddy made a tweet about that, like I saw that, how yeah. capitalism and shady business owners, but it's like, he was kind of talking about itself. Like, yeah, like, that's the, the whole pot calling thing. the kettle black. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, man, that's. That's like, how do you 
Like, how can you be that unself aware? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, because, you know, even Biggie, like, had problems with his finances, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, an artist like Tupac, we thought was making millions, um, you know, died with little to nothing to show for, with, for all those hit records. Like, fuck your night. You know, like, but I think that we're very much at a time where the power is in the artist's hands. Like, we've seen people create their own movements online and, you know, get rich off of what they create and they can keep all that money. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have managers that, are truly interested in preserving that independent nature of the artists, you know. Um, and back then, if the music business in general was very much like a pimp and hoe dynamic, like yeah, you can make these records for us and we're gonna pay you what we think that you should get, even though you're making us billions of dollars, you know what I'm saying? Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a beautiful time for independence, you know? Definitely. And Kanye was also a huge factor to that, you know. When he, Oh, yeah, because didn't do shit for him at first. He was mm -hmm. lucky that he was a sought-after producer to pay for these videos and to pay for, you know, his accident medical bills. Like, you signed to a label, you thinking that you're getting all those benefits, but at the end of the day, like, yeah, like, they'll put you on a shelf if they feel like they don't want to put you they out. They don't need you, yeah. Even and still, I, though, like, sorry. Yeah. I was just like, going to say, like, <laughs> you go first you go first i just think it's beautiful now because we we see artists who have got shelved like um a kanye or a hobson who had records with so much potential that got shunned and then when they put it out themselves it's like they like proved everyone wrong they proved that you know that like a lot of these business owners don't know what they're talking about they're not tapped into the music culture especially with hip hop, like a lot of these A&Rs don't know what they're talking about. Mm. And it, it shows like, but it's so powerful now that you could take that power back. Like Freddie Gibbs got shoved. We would have never known about him back then, but right. the independent route helped us to get to him, you know? So it's, it's such a beautiful thing, man. I think- I, uh, I would do without it. <laughs> yeah, rather though. I was just gonna say, uh, I, I was just watching like something that academics said and uh, it was like Meek Mill tried to sign Pressa for like 20 grand and like uh, make him pay for like a lease Rolls Royce. Like, <laughs> so you know, like the, that, that kind of business side is still there, you know, like it's not completely lost, but how do you think that, uh, how do you think we really usher that out? Like, how do we really put that, all of the power in the artist's hand? Education. Um, I think when you educate people on how the music business is and how it works, um, you realize that, you know, you give a late, like you give the label a lot of credit. Um, granted, you need like labels for like publishing and getting reached, yeah. but I feel like that's really as far as it should go. Um, because if you come into the game with your own movement and they see that, they're gonna wanna capitalize off that. And then you get the ass into the deal. But if you take it into your own hands, it's like, um, you know, like, I think, you know, just educating people on what they can do to own their masters, like how to keep their masters, how to keep their their soul basically and not sign your soul on a dotted line for this fake dream that they sell you, you know? Um, I think that is, and I think that's what's happening a lot more now. And being a producer who wants to produce for mainstream artists, I definitely have to make sure my publishing is intact I got my ass cap, my BMI, you know, my royalties, because I don't want to be getting the ass in the video when I'm making an artist go platinum and I can't feed my family. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I refuse to let that happen. It's definitely. a scary thought too, man. Yeah, man. And it's a common thing. It's more common than you realize. You yeah, know? especially with producers. They get slugged a lot with that. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Producers, sound engineers, like we are what makes songs songs, but... Right. A lot of the time, we're not in the, like, we're not in the feature list, you know what I'm saying? Oh, dude. That's why I love, like, how artists like uh, David Guetta or, like, DJ Mustard have mm. their own brand to That's where true. they say, I got my own shit. You come to me for my specific, you know, 
vibe, you know what I'm saying? And I can make an album getting all these artists together as an artist myself, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, kind of like what DJ Khaled does, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Uh, um, that's kind of cool because I, I just want to ask about your method and how you're kind of going about doing this because on Apple Music, you don't have uh, like much of a discography there at all. You've got yeah. all of your stuff on Bandcamp. Uh, your stuff's on SoundCloud as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to ask on the on the topic of collaborations. Like, why are you not putting stuff out on these platforms of you of art of, of songs that you produce for artists? Like, are you big into the collaboration Ooh. game, or what? What is it? That's a very very good question. Um, I think a lot of it comes down to timing. Um, you know, I'll have records on the shelf for artists and, you know, they won't release it until like a year later or, you know, it takes time for music to come out. Um, but also just on a personal artist level, um, I just really feel like I haven't, I haven't made my debut album yet. You know, um, I have albums that I have in mind, um, but I think I'm really waiting for the resources to do it on an official level. Um, because the music is more important to me than, you know, just releasing it on Apple and then like, you know, it not getting much attention. Like I really want to carefully plan it out like months ahead. You don't Um, think, uh, you don't think an album, like an actual full length album or project with other artists or, or one or multiple other artists would put you kind of in that sphere? Um, yes. And that's definitely a goal of mine. Um, so like when I say like, I got work with Mavi, I have worked with, you know, Zeke, I've worked with all these artists that I come in contact with that I could build relationships with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely shit that I have in tuck. Like being a DJ as well, I, I can't wait till we get out of this quarantine because I'm going to be playing like a lot of shit that I produce actually for artists. Um, it's just like, um, when you're a producer, you're basically not on your time. You're on an artist's time. And some records they keep for themselves until you understand that they don't want to put it out themselves. And then that's when I could be like, all right, I'm gonna put this on my my album or whatever, you know, as my project. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like the the Mad Villainy 2 thing. Like, you know, Madlib had it ready to go, but it was basically Doom's time. Like he had to, you know, it, when you do collaborations, it, it can't be so one-minded. Like you have to come to like mutual agreements on how things are going to be released. So um, that's definitely a big factor. And um, that's kind of one of the downsides, I would say, because being an artist who makes music like, like, like an addict, like, you know, it's, it's kind of discouraging to have shit on the shelf and you just keep making shit and you're like, damn, when is this coming out? Like, you know, your favorite shit, like you recorded a couple of months ago, but it's just now never comes to light. Yeah. I, I think that could be definitely discouraging. Um, but at the same time, I create different opportunities by making so much. So I don't get caught up in, um, you know, what could be or what isn't. My mind is always just like, what can I do going forward, you know? As it should be. Um, I want to, okay, so that, that kind of explains your whole, your whole philosophy on major streaming platforms. I want to ask now just about your philosophy with social media. Because that's like that's almost as like gritty as your laptop, bro. Like also, that thing is filthy. Your laptop laptop is filthy, bro. Like that thing is wild. But on, on, on social on so- <laughs> that's, the, that's the one that I had from high school. I smoked so many bloods over it. I was gonna I was gonna say, yeah. I feel like you rolled like the stickiest joints ever, and you're like, oh, yeah. my hands are so sticky. Let's go just touch my computer now yeah like it's that, jokes that's, that's <laughs> definitely what happened that's definitely- <laughs> you see the video we you show in the beat you make it on your laptop it's hella dirty then you move the camera and we see this nice clean macbook in the back like not touching that one not making the same mistake with that one <laughs> yeah because when you get the white ones you gotta be careful man definitely, definitely. yo but just uh back to your music even uh, i just want to know hold on i just want to ask a finished question oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um just on social media you you oh yeah, yeah yeah you post a lot on instagram like on twitter you're very active what's your whole 
what's your idea about just using social media as an artist? Gift and a curse. Uh, <laughs> gift because, like I say, I don't know where I would be in my life without it. You know, I'm from Columbus, Ohio. We're not a very fast-paced city. Um, <laughs> people who are from Ohio definitely had to move to get it popping. Um, so, like, I look at Cuddy like that. Like, he came up in a time where, like, 2004. So, like, he had MySpace, but there really wasn't no artist popping off on social media like that. So we had to move physically. And I think that would have been harder for me to do than to be, you know, at home in my city, just doing this and being able to have that reach. Um, that's definitely a blessing. Um, it's definitely a blessing that, um, you know, that when you're a talented artist, you could really build your own movement. Um, it's a curse because um, just social media in general, bad news and fake news especially about celebrities and artists it travels so fast like people thought dmx died before he really died yeah that's nice. toxic you know what i'm saying um that's just so wrong you know i in that aspect i hate social media also comparing your journey to other artists like i did that in the beginning like um you know why am i not as popping as him you know I'm more talented than him on an objective level. Like, why am I not getting this connection? Um, it could drive a lot of kids crazy, um, really anxious and patient. It could make you devalue your self-worth. Um, and those are the negative aspects that I've had to deal with. Um, just personally with social media as an artist, you know, um, you're not getting as much traction. So you thinking that you're not as, much of a real artist as somebody who is, you know, um, just that comparison just steals the joy out of all this shit. Um, and I think social media contributes to that. No, and just um, back to your music. Uh, you said you're a DJ. I see you use FL. <laughs> I just wanted to also quickly ask you before my main question, uh, FL or Ableton? <laughs> um, because I know you like to produce. I mean, you're a DJ too, so Ableton's good for DJing, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's just I never could get into the workflow of Ableton. Um, I started off doing FL and Logic, like GarageBand. Right. So, like, I like to do it like piece by piece. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I've been like I've walked into Ableton, and there's so many questions I have. Like, yeah, I feel that the work. Like the warp mode, BPM warping, that fucked me up. Session mode fucked me up. Um, so like for my steez, I use uh, Serato for my DJing. Um, and as far as music, I stick to FL and Logic. But I do want to learn Ableton, definitely, because it definitely looks like um, something that like I can make a lot of magic on, definitely. Right. Right, definitely. And uh, just my main question was, uh, just what's the process when Kwanbi makes a beat? What's what's the first thing we do? You know, like smoke a joint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, smoking, man. <laughs> smoking weed, uh, listening to music, um, just living life. I get a lot of inspiration from life. So when I get inspired by music to make music, I just run with the feeling that music gives me and try to recreate that in my own expression. So that may be, like, I may make something from scratch, you know, um, I do play keys, um, or I may make, like, I, I listen to a lot of music. So my range of what to sample is like so broad, it's so crazy, like, I'll probably never run out of shit to sample. So that is definitely, um, uh, like, just listening to samples that way. Um, sometimes I do like the whole movie watching method when I'm listening to samples to get the vibe and get like, you know, what I want to get across, um, just like real sci-fi type movies. Um, yeah, it's a really weird process, I would say. Right, it's always um, different. I make shit really, really quick. I don't like to dwell on one idea for long because it's like, it's so much sounds and so much stuff to make. And we have so much so little time as human beings i try to get in as much as i can like when i'm working like i'm working like it's so serious like 
you know, it's truly something that like, you know, the process is really beautiful, I would say. Um, it's definitely divine, it's definitely meditative. Um, Therapeutic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Therapeutic. And it's unique every time. Like you don't have a certain set of rules that you follow every time you sit down, but. Oh no, definitely not, man. Definitely not. Like the flips are even crazy. I may play keys over a flip and add drums or put it over beats I already have or put them over samples and add drums. You know, the process is just, you know, however I feel at the time, I would say. And uh, how did you uh, learn to do all this? Did you grow up learning music? Did you just YouTube video it? You self-taught, self-taught it? Self-taught myself a lot. Um, I went on YouTube till like, I started off just covering like songs of mine, like my favorite songs. And during like during that, I learned how chords work. I learned how scales work. I learned how progressions work. Um, so I incorporate that when I create, like when I sit down and play and create things. Um, I would say being in church a lot helped me. Um, just growing up in a musical family, um, my mom and dad listened to a lot. Like my mom was Erica Badu, Jill Scott, and my dad was like everything you could think of. And that all influenced me. Um, yeah, man, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy looking back, um, just being self-taught. Like, I can't read music at all, but I know what sounds good, you know? I was going to say, I like that clip of Kurt Cobain talking, just about yeah. how he doesn't know major minor chords, right? I was going to ask if that's kind of your philosophy, but you just answered it right there. Just not really knowing what you're doing, but just knowing what you want to get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. So would you that's say that just came from consistency? Cause like how like my biggest baffle is like how do you do it without like not knowing music theory almost you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, definitely consistency. I truly believe that creativity is just a muscle that we all can flex. It's a muscle that we can train ourselves to to be creative in a certain field, and we can train ourselves to be better if we're driven enough, if we're you know focused enough. Um, so. Um, yeah, I just had that self-determination. Like, I don't like to think that there's anything that I can't do myself. Um, because, you know, I think that as humans, we're very capable of a lot of things. And uh, if someone else can do it, then I could do it. I just apply that to my life. Like, you know, even with music, like, I don't, I think my first beats were like super duper trash. Like, but I still sell a lot of those high school beats. But I think it's just a, <laughs> A progression of you know i think it's just progression definitely like just wanting to adapt new techniques you know it also baffles me how simple a track can be like it can be like yeah. three, three tracks like three channels you know what i mean and just drums and two sounds i'm like wow it's amazing yeah and you can create an entire emotion behind that you can change the way someone thinks just with that just with words just with rhythm Mm -hmm. um, it's almost like hypnotizing like music is rhythmic it's uh it's kind of trance-like at times you know it's kind of hypnotizing a little bit <laughs> um it's really it's really mystical man it's really it's like i don't know it's it's hard to explain but yeah. i think it's definitely something that's I bigger than that everyone I think everyone gets that you know it's like that feeling music gives you you know when you when you listen to your favorite song everyone every, it's different for everyone but everyone knows how it feels right yeah all right everyone's creative man Facts. all right we're just about out of time here but just before we do one last question man who are you doing this for um man I'm doing this for my family myself and my state and my city you know definitely trying to bring back a culture, a music culture to Ohio, you know, um, put my family in a better situation and be better for those around me. And also to spread a healing feeling to people, good vibes, good energy, a feeling of self-empowerment, confidence, inspiration. You know, I want to inspire people that like, no matter what circumstances you go through, you can keep focused and you can really achieve things you never thought, you know, that's my whole thing, like just inspiration, you know? Beautiful, you know, man. Way. 
You inspire me to make beats, bro. Like you are, I'm a true fan of you. Both of us, bro. bro. That's that's very humbling, man. I I thank you both, man. Thank you, dude. Where can people find you? One last thing. Where can people find you? Um, Quan Lee Beats. Quote Quan Lee underscore Beats across all social platforms, including TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Um, The brand is really consistent, so you can find that at Quan Lee underscore Beats, K-W-A-N-L-I, anywhere, um, SoundCloud, um, Bandcamp, anywhere you find music. There we go. All righty. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Peace out. Okay. Catch you next week. Get down. Stay down. To the beat. Mm-hmm.